0: Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to another Butts and Guts episode. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chair of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. Super excited today to have Dr. Ziad Schwen, a urologic oncologist in the Glickman Urological and Kidney Institute.
1: Ziad, welcome to Butts and Guts. Thanks for having me on uh really enjoy the name of your podcast by the way i've heard about how i could be a guest on butts and guts i'm like i'm i'm in
0: so today we're going to talk about something that we haven't had as much discussion about on this podcast and that's talking about prostate cancer and specifically we're going to go into more a safer more precise way to diagnose prostate cancer with transperineal biopsy and innovative treatment options but before we get there tell us a little bit of give give us the fifty thousand foot overview of yourself And where are you from, and how did it come to the point that you're here at the Cleveland Clinic?
1: Yeah, you know, it's kind of come full circle. I'm from Cincinnati, but I I, I did my undergrad training here at the Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland. So, you know, I went around and did some training in Pittsburgh for med school. Uh, I did my residency at Johns Hopkins, uh, and then I did my fellowship here back in the Cleveland Clinic. So I kind of returned because, well, like you said, it's a beautiful city, and uh, it's good to be back. I really enjoy being in Cleveland. Uh, and here at the Cleveland Clinic, where, you know, we are kind of at the forefront of urologic oncology and a lot of uh, really innovative treatment options and also diagnosis options that we have available for patients. That's fantastic, and we're glad you're here. So let, let's
0: just start with prostate cancer in general. I once heard that if you live long enough and you're a male, you're going to get prostate cancer. So, so is that true? And tell us a little bit of the maybe statistics about prostate cancer,
1: and then uh, wh- how does it come about? Yeah, you know that's a great question, and and people people will all, always kind of believe that eventually we all all get prostate cancer. In some ways, there's there's some truth to that. You know, prostate cancer is something that we slowly can develop over time, and and we'll find it a lot of times after people have died from natural causes. That, oh, yep, they may have had prostate cancer. Um, what we as urologic oncologists, our goal is to detect it early and detect those types of cancers that can actually be life-threatening. And that's something that, you know, we uh, here in the, in the United States have a big problem of because prostate cancer, it's common, uh, and it's actually the second leading cause of cancer death in men. So it's not just common, but it's also a common cause of death and it can be life-threatening. One one in eight men uh, will, will be diagnosed with prostate cancer. And we have as that reason in the United States, a higher higher problem with it than in other other parts of the world. You know, dietary influences of the Western, you know, diet, high cholesterol, high fat, high red meat diet, uh, these are things that can really influence and increase our risk of developing prostate cancer. So, you know, ways of, of preventing it, you know, dietary, you know, trying to tie it into kind of what this uh, podcast is all about is, kind of dietary influences that you can do. Um, you know, we as men, you know, we can we can uh, adopt a more plant-based diet, uh, reduce our red meat, reduce cholesterol, add certain types of vegetables that we know are, are good at preventing prostate cancer. One of them is cruciferous vegetables like broccoli and cauliflower. Tomato has been associated with a reduced risk of prostate cancer, coffee. Uh, but we do know that red meat is a is a is a big no no. Uh, you know, obviously, don't uh, you know you don't have to eliminate it completely, but making like meaningful reductions in that uh, can really help our risk. So in the, the United States, we we do PSA screening, prostate cancer screening, which is a great way that we can you know diagnose and catch prostate cancer early. So let's talk a little bit about
0: PSA because it wasn't too long ago that there was some controversy about PSA and whether or not that was a specific test and whether men should get the PSA or we should scrap it all together. So tell us a little bit about PSA and then what other types of screenings are available for prostate cancer? And if you will, talk a little bit about what age, I just turned 50, what age should men begin that cancer screening?
1: Yeah, that's a very, very important thing to talk about because our understanding of the PSA test, which is a blood test, it's called the prostate specific antigen, a blood test that can help detect prostate cancer. It, there was a lot of controversy about it before because we weren't using it correctly. Uh, but actually, as we kind of understand the way we've started to use it better, it's actually one of the real cancer screening success stories. In fact, if you compare the cancer mortality for prostate cancer in the 1980s before PSA screening to now, there's been about a 50% reduction in cancer death as a result of largely prostate cancer screening. Uh, the way the reason why it kind of got a lot of controversy around it is we were using it incorrectly. We, were, we know that it's a good screening test, but it's not a very specific test, meaning that there's a lot of false positives. But if you know how to understand in those people who are at higher risk, if we can do additional testing, find out who needs a biopsy and who needs treatment. So we were kind of using it a little bit over aggressively biopsying everybody treating everybody with any type of prostate cancer even the kind of prostate cancer that won't be life-threatening and that you know we will die with and not from so you know as a result if you look at the curves of prostate cancer mortality comparing that to say breast cancer before mammography you can actually see a steep drop in the cancer death as a result of PSA screening. So like colonoscopy has been for colon cancer, uh, PSA screening has really saved a lot of men. That's fantastic. So is PSA the only
0: screening test? What about the good old fashioned digital rectal examination (laughs) and prostate check? Uh,
1: You know, the finger exam is important when used in addition to PSA screening, it's not a perfect test. We have a lot smarter blood tests that we use uh, in people who have an elevated PSA to help really hone in on who is at really a higher risk. One of them is uh, the ISO PSA, which is another blood test that we offer here at the Cleveland Clinic. And we actually did a lot of the research and initial research in in the development of that biomarker. Uh, another one is the Prostate Health Index, which is actually a combination of other PSA isoforms, which are kind of like PSA-like uh, proteins that um, can be used in an equation to calculate your risk. Um, these are kind of more used in people who already have an elevated PSA. So the PSA is still the, one of the better screening tests because it will capture most people who have a higher risk of prostate cancer, but then we use the additional testing to really hone in on who's at higher risk for having prostate cancer. I know we're gonna get in a little
0: bit about maybe some imaging that may be involved once you have it or suspected of it, but is there any other endoscopic or radiologic test that is a part of screening?
1: Well, um, we're, we're using the MRI. It's a multi-parametric prostate M- MRI. Uh, that's also really revolutionized our ability to kind of screen people for prostate cancer. It's also one of those that are good used when combined with PSA, but the MRI having a negative MRI, meaning no lesions seen in your prostate on the MRI, is pretty pretty predictive of not having prostate cancer, but it would still miss by itself around 15 to 20 percent of what we would call clinically significant prostate cancers so it's a it's another one of those things that we kind of have to use multiple tools together but you can also avoid um, a biopsy in a lot of these people uh, who have a, a normal mri and a relatively low psa and maybe other favorable biomarkers But just to be crystal clear, you're not getting an MRI in the absence of
0: maybe some other indication that you may or may not have uh, an early lesion or an advanced lesion.
1: You know, they keep developing uh, MRIs, you know, they're getting better and better and cheaper and cheaper. You know, if we were to get everybody an MRI, that would be a big cost on our health system. And, And there have been studies that suggest that using the MRI first or before considering a biopsy can really reduce the you know their likelihood of missing a prostate cancer, and also we can reduce the number of people who would eventually get a biopsy, um, but by itself, not, not a good screening test. There's another imaging test called the PSMA PET scan, which is another really great imaging test that we use, but you're really not in the screening uh, indication. So let's just jump
0: ahead now and say that for whatever reason, screening results indicate that a biopsy may be needed. What are the options available here at the Cleveland Clinic?
1: Well, you know, as we kind of talked about, a lot of times uh, we can look at other blood tests and other imaging tests like the MRI, but if a a biopsy is needed, you know, there's uh, the traditional route, which is a transrectal biopsy. So this is an ultrasound probe um, that's placed in the rectum, and then a needle that goes into the ultrasound probe through the rectum and then into the prostate to, to get a sample of the prostate. Uh, to hope, hopefully rule out prostate cancer or diagnose it. We are offering now the transperineal prostate biopsy, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today because this is a newer biopsy, uh, but newer in a way that actually it's kind of a blast from the past because the first biopsy of the prostate ever done was a transperineal biopsy, which is where the needle goes through the skin instead of through the rectum. Uh, into the prostate, and and that's a safer biopsy approach because it really has dramatically reduced the risk of an infection uh, after the prostate biopsy. So it's a safer biopsy because there's a lot of, as you know, a lot of really dirty bacteria in the rectum, and that that bacteria can seed its way into the prostate during the biopsy, and you know to prevent the infection or prevent an infection, we have. You know, even tried things like doing multiple different uh, antibiotics. You know, now we will do actually two different antibiotics. There's also very uh, other antibiotic acrobatics, I like to call them, because we, you know, really try to do all these sorts of fancy antibiotic uh, algorithms to help reduce the risk of a, an infection with the transrectal approach. But still, even with all of our efforts, about, you know, 3% will get a severe enough infection that requires a hospitalization. 7% can get a, a urinary tract infection. So, this is something that with the transperineal approach, we can reduce the risk of an infection during a prostate biopsy by like less than 1%. So, it's it's very low and that's without antibiotics. So, it's also really important that, you know, us not routinely using antibiotics, we've kind of helped stop or limit the amount of multi-drug resistant bac- bacteria that can happen as a result of using uh, antibiotics unnecessarily. So really, it's something that going through the skin instead of through the rectum, and patients actually can can understand that that there's a lot of uh, a lot of dirty bacteria in the in the in the rectum. Um, that uh, avoiding that that route and instead going through the skin has really reduced the amount of infections. Okay, so I'm coming into your office. Uh
0: what can I expect? You mentioned the skin and, and there may be some listeners out there that don't understand what transperineal is. You <laughs> yeah. say skin, they're thinking belly, they're thinking, of, you know, <laughs> right. trans, you know. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 does that, what does that mean? Yeah,
1: so, you know, the ultrasound probe would still go into the rectum. That's the best way to view the prostate with a, a transrectal ultrasound probe. But instead of the needle going through the rectum into the prostate, we go through a patch of skin that's actually between your your, your scrotum and your rectum. Called the perineum, which is kind of uh, the quickest access point to the prostate. So in the we do this uh, procedure in the clinic, uh, just like we would do the traditional prostate biopsy. We would numb up the skin with lidocaine, um, and uh, you know making sure that everything's nice and well tolerated. And then we target the prostate in certain areas that prostate cancer can be hiding. And, and the other advantage of that route is that we can actually target another part of the prostate where prostate cancer can be hiding called the anterior part of the prostate. And this is actually an area that the transrectal traditional biopsy often undersamples. So there can be a lot of times you get a prostate biopsy. And if your tumor is in the anterior part of the prostate, you may miss it and you may have a delayed diagnosis or a missed diagnosis. So the transperineal approach going through that patch of skin helps you target that area a lot better and as a result you have a higher cancer detection rate with the transperineal approach. So it's a more accurate
0: biopsy. So we're going to transition to a little bit of truth or myth now and I know you spoke a little bit about infection but all things in terms of complications combined truth or myth transperineal biopsies are safer and more precise for patients compared to standard biopsy procedures.
1: Yeah, that, that I would say is truth. Um, not only as we, we had talked about, the risk of an infection uh, is much lower, but rectal bleeding, which is another complication of the transrectal approach. You know, you're poking a needle through the rectal wall. Um, so up to 30% of men after a prostate biopsy with the transrectal approach would get rectal bleeding. So not surprisingly, we've eliminated that by doing the transperineal approach. So that's one less... Uh, of a complication um, and and like I said it's it's more precise in that it can target the the anterior part of the prostate the top of the prostate a lot better and we can still do the fancy fusion techniques where we confuse the ultrasound with the MRI if there's a, a lesion on the MRI we can target that tumor uh, in real time just like we can do with the transrectal approach but if the tumors in the anterior part or in the top of the prostate We can target a lot a lot more accurately so let's jump ahead and say now that
0: the patient has a biopsy confirmed cancer can you talk a little bit about you know what are the
1: non-surgical options and what are the surgical options for it yeah being here at the cleveland clinic uh, has been really great because this center has revolutionized the minimally invasive surgical techniques for for treating prostate cancer the uh, robotic approach for removal of the prostate, a prostatectomy. If you have uh, significant prostate cancer, uh, this is an excellent way to you know, treat and cure your prostate cancer in, in a very minimally invasive way. And in fact, we've kind of developed it to the point where it's largely an outpatient procedure. People can go home the same day um, compared to the open surgical approach where you have a bigger incision. The robotic approach, you don't even really need narcotics either. You can just take Tylenol or ibuprofen and you can go home the same day. So, you know, we've got the multi-port robotic approach, which is where you've got the traditional robot where you have multiple small one centimeter incisions. But we also have the single port robotic approach, which is a single incision. We do the entire uh, procedure through truly one keyhole. So you have one scar. Which is better? Better pain control, faster recovery, and and patients are are happier with the uh, with the results. So that's from a from a surgical standpoint, you know, something that has really been uh, revolutionized here at the Cleveland Clinic. Um, other treatments that we that are really uh, effective for for prostate cancer. Well, there's radiation where you can do radiation for the prostate, uh, usually combined with uh, the androgen deprivation medications. Um, You can either do the external beams or the brachytherapy seeds. Um, There's another really revolution in prostate cancer treatment that's aimed at treating just the area of the cancer, focal therapy. And that's something here at the Cleveland Clinic that we do through the HIFU, which is the high-intensity focused ultrasound. And this is a way that we can just ablate the area of concern in men who have just a small focus of cancer in one part of their prostate. We can really reduce the side effects associated with treatment by just ablating that area of the prostate. And, and, and that's another very effective cancer treatment. There's other ones that are a little bit less commonly done. One is called cryotherapy, where you can freeze the prostate. Uh, that's something that's not as commonly done. Uh, anymore just because of the higher risk of erectile dysfunction and some other complications that can be a little more devastating but uh, but yeah if uh, if your cancer needs treatment you know those are some very good options some cancers can just be watched uh, with active surveillance so what are the advancements on the horizon in the diagnosis
0: and treatment of prostate cancer
1: yeah uh, there's been many revolutions lately in the treatment of prostate cancer and the diagnosis of prostate cancer a lot of that has happened in the space of people who have metastatic prostate cancer so cancer that has already spread outside of the prostate there's newer hormonal drugs there's newer immunotherapy drugs that are incredibly effective at uh, treating prostate cancer that has uh, become metastatic Um, also our ability to detect metastatic disease has improved so and people who may get local therapy, meaning treatment of just the prostate, but have already had cancer spread, you know, they may benefit from more systemic therapies like uh, hormonal drugs or, or the immunotherapy. So our ability to really better detect metastatic cancer has improved with the PSMA PET scan, which is one of the newer uh, PET imaging techniques that really can, can bind to the, the prostate cancer cells and light up uh so if there's cancer outside of the prostate we can detect it a lot better um yeah it's uh it's a it's a time it, you know prostate cancer can be very scary but it's always great to know that there's been some tremendous uh research advances in, in the diagnosis and treatment of prostate cancer so really that's something that uh the Cleveland Clinic has continued to to be on the on the forefront for that's fantastic stuff and it's our time to get to know you just a little bit better and
0: with our quick hitter so <laughs> first of all what's your favorite meal Ooh, uh green bean casserole whoa
1: reminds me of thanksgiving my favorite meal
0: have not had that before (laughs) i was going to ask you what's your favorite word but you already told me cruciferous so we will go with uh what's
1: your favorite sport well uh i played soccer uh growing up i would say my favorite sport to play is soccer i I actually played at case western back in the day Um, but my favorite sport to watch is formula one racing uh, hands down you and my wife and so uh, (laughs) what is a bucket list place that you would like to go to probably portugal that's uh that's been on my list but you know with with how crazy it's been to fly lately is we're gonna have to delay that one yeah probably not the time and then you know you had said that you've kind
0: of been all around so tell us one of the things you like about being here in northeast ohio
1: I would say that, well, it's a beautiful city right now. It's a beautiful day outside. There's a lot of parks, a lot of uh, great places to be out on the water too. Uh, last weekend, I was uh, just taking a boat out on the Lake Erie, which is incredible. The people are wonderful. Uh, Ohioans, they're, they're, they're really special people. It's a city that you've got all four seasons for. So if you, if you like your summers, if you like your winters, you got it both. It's, uh, it's great to be back. That's
0: fantastic.
1: So give us a final take-home message for our listeners. For people who are really, really interested in in, uh, dietary management of things, eat a plant-based diet, cut down on the red meat, help reduce your risk of prostate cancer. Another take-home message is get screened for prostate cancer. PSA screening saves lives. If you detect it early, you can cure the prostate cancer and help uh, save your life. You You had mentioned when do you start getting screened before? Most people would say screening starts at age 55 is a yearly PSA screening test until age 69. But those at, who are at higher risk, uh, meaning those who have either a family history, uh, African-Americans, they tend to get uh, prostate cancer earlier. That can start as early as uh, 40. And so that's something that really you have to just talk to your doctor about your prostate cancer risk, about when to when to start screening and, and kind of uh, catch this prostate cancer early if, if you do have it. Words to live
0: by. And so for more information on how to schedule a prostate cancer screening at the Cleveland Clinic, as well as other access to our patient services, please call the Cancer Answer Line at 866-223-8100. That's 866-223-8100. You can also learn more about Cleveland Clinic's advancements in prostate cancer screening, breakthrough biopsies, and more by visiting clevelandclinic.org slash prostate cancer care that's clevelandclinic.org slash prostate cancer care dr schwinn thanks so much for joining us on butts and guts thanks for having me on that wraps things up here at cleveland clinic until next time thanks for listening to butts and
1: guts